0: Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, go to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, where we talk about all sorts of things, uh, including but not limited to revisiting beloved pieces of media from our youth. I am Cara Gale O'Regan, and with me today is not my regular co-host, Jordan Pollen clark but instead... Cage Club Podcast Network co-founder, Joey Lewandowski. Hello, Joey. Hi, Kara. What's up?
1: I am super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I am so sad that Jordan cannot be here, but Jordan's computer is in computer heaven and is unavailable for us to do this. But that means that you and I get to do a backdoor pilot for the podcast that will never be, may may possibly one day be, but for now will not be. Something we've been talking about for a long time.
0: A really long time. So this series of of unfortunate events has led to a very fortunate <laughs> turn of events uh, that we finally got to do this podcast, which we were like kind of planning on doing. Yes. Anyway, yep. kind of. Yep. Just a special, very special edition of Wistful Thinking during the month of February to coincide with the Winter Olympics. We're bumping it up. Uh, a week. And now we're going to do, instead of two episodes, three episodes. And so today's episode is going to be about the 1992 film The Cutting Edge, which is one of my favorite movies of all time.
1: So I had never seen this movie before, and I want to offer a little bit of backstory. I was on the first episode of this, and I don't remember how much we talked about our history, you and my shared history. But we were Mm -hmm. friends in college and then sort of just drifted apart because, you know, we weren't super close in college. And then we found out four years ago that we were both working from home and watching like hours and hours and hours of the Winter Olympics each day. (laughs) And so we then talked nonstop for like two weeks about all things Sochi.
0: Yeah, I was like barely working at the time because I was actually in the middle of Dr. Housing myself. Oh, Um Successfully doctor-housing myself. It's not, to report. it's not lupus. It's not lupus. But it it is a figure-skating obsession. And it has been since I was a little kid. I was, like, right at the the prime age for the 1992 and 1994 with her Winter Olympics, which um, is very timely right now. Because as we record this, I, Tanya has been in yes. theaters. Mm-hmm for a while so did you see it yet uh, i did i finally did last week two weeks ago
1: good good
0: it was great i liked it a lot um it was a lot sadder than i was prepared for i think
1: it's it's kind of tonally all over the place like there's really there's funny going parts out. and then there's really sad parts and i really liked it and i think she i think margot robbie is great in it but my one sort of criticism of it is that it doesn't really know what it wants to be at all times. Mm. And I think if it was, I don't know that I'd want to see a two hour just sad movie. And I don't know if I would want to see a two hour just slapstick movie. I think they could yeah. have done either. But where they sort of landed and tried to like balance, like toe the line between the two, I was like, hmm, like I like parts of this, but I don't like all of it. And I was a little sad by that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I had a lot of mixed feelings. I thought she was great. Yeah. But at the same time, she's still Margot Robbie. Yes. And she's still like an extraordinarily beautiful, like long and lean woman. And the real Tanya Harding is kind of like boxy and scrappy and like not. I mean, she's beautiful in her own way, but not Margot Robbie beautiful. So it's it was like kind of a little hard to to let go of that disbelief i also went to see it kind of like right in the middle of binge watching big little lies oh okay was an interesting um bookend i think for the movie just because both are so steeped in like domestic abuse so it made it like kind of that much sadder that like that was kind of what i was thinking about
1: um
0: but yeah it was good i liked it a lot
1: I don't know if I remember – I don't remember because I would have been four for the 92 Olympics. So I don't think I saw those. I do remember really early on uh, – I want to say Scott Hamilton maybe? We hmm. filmed a lot – or we like we, on, v- on VHS, off our VCR, we filmed, we taped a lot of figure skating. And I remember watching certain skaters over and over and over again. And I remember – I don't know why. I think it was just like something – jazzy and fun i don't know i don't know i guess it's always like i don't know what it was about it but i just was super super excited. i
0: uh, mean it's it's incredible it has all of the high stakes of like sports if you're into that sort yeah. of thing but then also like all this theat- theatrical yeah fun music theatricality is that a word i don't yeah, know i think so it's a word now uh fun music fun costumes but not just like fun like these are a, I just, I love it because it's like the perfect hybrid of like art and sport. And uh, yeah, oh man, it's captivating.
1: It's the best. And I, it's
0: Scott Hamilton in particular, although I think personally he's kind of a dingleberry. <laughs> um,
1: no, but tell us how you really feel.
0: He's always credited with the quote of like, the only disability in life is a bad attitude, which oh. I have qualms about. Put that aside. He's he was an incredibly dynamic skater. You know, I think something that you see in the Cutting Edge, and of course you see in I Tonya, was is this kind of like friction between uh, traditional figure skating and like people who want to make it like hip and cool. And yes. I think um, Scott Hamilton, in particular, is one of those people. He was the first person. Ever maybe, or maybe just the first American male to like land a backflip.
1: Whoa! Okay. In
0: competition, and that was his like signature move. So he was always really, um, and long before uh, our personal favorite color commentators, John and Tara, <laughs> were on the scene. Scott Hamilton went on to be like the jazzy color commentator on figure skating for most of my life.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up our favorites, uh, Tara and Johnny, because we were going to our plan before life got in the way, and my life got in the way, meaning uh, I started like six new podcasts, um, and you know, also other things happened. But we were going to have a podcast called "We're With Weir," which was a working title, but I think it was it, it would have worked. And it we were solid. We were just going to cover uh, figure skating movies, and we were going to release a bunch during the Olympics. Maybe you know backdate a bunch and maybe record one a day during the olympics or something who knows uh but that didn't happen maybe for the 2022 games who knows but you know (laughs) i
0: have a whole spreadsheet that lays it
1: all out it was an amazing amount of work that you put you put in so much (laughs) prep into this and i felt bad that we didn't do it because like it was you know the year and the synopsis and like where to watch it like this like crisscross cross cross section of like spanning literally close to a hundred years in in cinema history Mm -hmm. of figure skating movies and i was like oh my god like this is amazing and then it just didn't happen but we get to talk about three of some kind olympic movies figure skating movies ice skating movies whatever over these next couple weeks and i am super excited
0: Mm -hmm. and when i first made that spreadsheet i tanya was just you know it like in pre-production it was like maybe it'll come out in 2018 who knows you know barely a glimmer in anyone's eye and Mm. now it's uh you know winning all sorts of awards so that's exciting um so just to to get it out of the way i know the olympics are like super problematic in just about every way yep uh i mean pick an issue it's a problem But I cannot help but love them so much.
1: It's the best. It's the best. It's the best thing. That's also the worst thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But um, this year's Olympics kind of has like an extra sinister quality to it. Not just because of the whole North Korea. Like, are we all going to die in a nuclear winter? Who knows? Situation, which is like ridiculous. It's fun to think about bad enough as it is um but i don't know if you've been paying attention at all to the uh legal case of dr larry nasser uh
1: i feel like calling him dr larry nasser is giving him a little bit too much (laughs) formality and credit for a guy who should rot in prison for the rest of his life um just all eternity really it's it's just it's heartbreaking it's devastating uh the only i mean like I my favorite. I mean, I love the Winter Olympics more than the Summer Olympics, but you know, in the I, I I watch the shit out of them both times, and I think there's a real comparison in terms of athletic ability, but also sort of the type of athlete, and also kind of like the yeah. the body between like figure skaters and gymnastics, and just seeing like mm-hmm. having such a focus personally now with these movies and with the Olympics coming up on like figure skating and especially talking to you and you've been so excited about you know watching the qualifying and everything like that and then on the other hand you have these other athletes who are also incredible and in sort of the summer comparison to these and then you see like you know Michaela Maroney like there was talk that she was going to be fined a hundred thousand dollars for breaking her you NDA to testify and like come on yeah that didn't happen though right
0: no no um I, I don't but believe it did. Uh, Ali Raisman's yes. victim impact statement yep. was just so good and so incredible. So, so, if anyone's listening and doesn't know who this guy is, he was the um, team doctor for the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team. He also um, I guess was employed through the University... Michigan State, uh, I think? Michigan State, yeah. yeah. So Michigan is like a huge training hub, not just for gymnastics, but also for figure skating. And so, just the you know, like, it wasn't just gymnastics that, gymnastic athletes who came forward um, and filed uh, claims against this guy, over hundred, like fifty people, I think, which is just so disgusting and horrific but um dancers and some other athletes too because he was like um
1: like a school physician or whatever right
0: school yeah like an orthopedist who's you know renowned so like all of these different kind of elite athletes went to see him so i i feel like um the way that the harvey weinstein thing was like just the tip of the iceberg as far as like shitty, abusive men in Hollywood is concerned. Um, I feel like this guy is probably just the very tip of the iceberg in elite sports because it's such an environment that like just makes, that breeds it. And the U S Olympic committee knew about this guy for several years. You know, they had multiple complaints about Mm -hmm. him and they still haven't even like issued a statement about this. So I just wanted to address that because it's been weighing heavy on my mind and kind of, like, tamping down my excitement about figure skating because I'm just, like, ugh.
1: It's awful. Like, it's it's just really, really awful. And, I mean, I don't know the timeline of this all. Like, you know, this episode's going to come out in a couple days. I don't know if – like, when is he supposed to be sentenced?
0: Um, I don't know because – as of Friday, when I was reading a lot of the victim impact statements, like there were still every day, there were more women coming forward and saying like, I want to make a statement about this. Because there were and supposed so... to be four
1: days, but I think there's probably going to be more than that, right? There's be, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's all just people talking about what they did to him. Like it's not even the actual sentencing yet. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see oh we'll we'll keep you posted and like
1: the crazy thing the sad thing is that like people were just you know they were called to testify they wanted to testify like they're coming forward on the stand and like admitting that he he molested them or whatever like that they hadn't said anything before and like now they're just like they're you know they're empowered by everybody else like it's just it's uplifting and devastating all at once like it's it's man yeah
0: well let's
1: uh yeah but anyway db sweeney and moira kelly right
0: Yeah. Oh my God. What, what a, what a great movie. The cutting edge is, uh, the the synopsis is a, or a, a temperamental figure skater and former hockey player try to win Olympic gold as figure skating pairs team. Um, so it opens at the 88 Olympics in Calgary. Um, and the movie kind of spans the training time between that Olympics and when it ends at the 92 Olympics in Albertville.
1: When I was watching this movie, I was kind of seeing it like it's, it's sort of in a way like what if Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan had to do a, a, a duo, like skate in a pair because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's a, a man and a woman and not two women, but he's essentially kind of playing in a lot of ways, the Tanya Harding role, like, he doesn't know why it has to be, like, this classical music, and he wants to play, like, you know, hardcore rock or whatever, like, whatever, you know, the... Like, right up front, we have to say that this movie is extremely predictable in just about every way, and yet still almost cried while watching this movie. Like, it's... It's so good. It's exactly <laughs> what you think it is, and yet that doesn't matter. And so yeah. you, you see this, well, you know, pristine... Basically, ballerina of a figure skater who does everything by the book, and she's you know the ice queen, but she's also like the best skater. And then he's like, yeah, why don't we play some like rock music and like just be like dudes out there? And it's like, well, of course that's what it's gonna be. But I was also like, you know, having seen Itanya, it's like that's sort of what she wanted to do. Like she doesn't know why. Like the, the button, right? He wants to. He's like, I'm not gonna button this button. And I was thinking about Itanya, like, well, why do I have to wear what they want me to wear? Why can't mm-hmm. I wear what I want to wear? And I was like, wow.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one of the shitty parts of figure skating is that, like, as as fun as the theatricality of it is, like, you're not just judged on your technical ability, like, you're also judged on these kind of frivolous um, aspects in a way that, like, you have to kind of work within the existing framework of this very traditional and patriarchal system so that you can like meet these certain benchmarks to be judged in a certain way and that's less true now than it was like when this movie was made because of the way that they've changed the scoring system and the judging and that sort of thing but it still like totally factors in to how they're judged which sucks because you can have a skater like tanya who is was like this total fucking powerhouse like incredible athlete but because she doesn't conform to this like you know she doesn't look like she skated out of a snow globe and she wants to skate to ZZ Top instead of like I don't know the can-can whatever (laughs) and
1: they even say it in this movie like the announcer you know when they're trying to qualify for the Olympics and there's a three couple skating for two spots and there's the one that advances and it's you know down to our guys and the other team and they skate well, but they get like five sixes or whatever. And the announcer even says in the movie, I wrote it down. Sometimes the scores reflect more than what's happening out there on the ice, and it's like that just mm-hmm. sucks. But I mean, it's I know that it's true to life, or it was, but you know, it's just like you can do everything right, and just because you're not doing it the way, or you not, you're you're not the person that the judges or that the you know the country or whatever wants to send to Albertville, like you just don't get to go even though you're better like it's just it's just shitty
0: yeah and now there's they've changed how they do the olympic selection so now and this has happened this happened uh last time around for the 20 what year is it 20 this is 2018 so the last one was 2014 2014 in 2014 uh among the women's field um in in the the national championships are not actually trials they're they like do this weird sort of calculus and try and figure out how they can field the best team at the olympics so you can win nationals and not actually make the olympic team which um, she didn't win, but she came in third last time, Mariah Nagasu, who made the team this year. Um, she actually was put on the team as an alternate behind Ashley Wagner, who didn't even place. Came in
1: fourth or something? or
0: Yeah. 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 But because she had been a, a more consistent skater overall, they wanted her on the team to field um, a better team in Sochi. And this time around, that actually happened in the men's field. Um I don't even remember the guy who won national or I think he won nationals or he got a silver medal one or the other. Um, and he got placed on the team as an alternate and Adam Rippon who came in fourth, I believe is in that third slot, but I'm super excited about that because he is an incredible skater and he is one of uh the two first openly gay men that the united states is sending to the olympics winter for him so yeah
1: that's actually very exciting and good for us kind of as a country Mm,
0: yeah i mean mike pence is still going to be leading the olympic delegation so there's that but you know
1: is so a question for you that has nothing to do with this movie which i mean you know we are almost 20 minutes in and we have not really <laughs> talked about this movie much but so russia's not allowed to compete in the olympics but still like hundreds of athletes are going to be there from russia is yeah. my girl yulia Lipnitskaya going or is she not going
0: no she actually retired a few years what? ago um it's hard to find information in english uh it's mostly in russian but yulia Lipnitskaya, uh during the last olympics did that incredible uh, girl in the red dress skate to Schindler's List, which sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like maybe not not a great choice, but uh, it was pretty incredible. And she did this one crazy spin move where she would actually like, dislocate her uh, hip so that she could pull her leg all the way up to her face. It like, was, she was ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, um, but she was still very young. Still had clearly not going through puberty. Like I, I, this is like the the frustrating thing for uh, an enthusiast of women's sports is that um, a lot of times, especially sports like figure skating and gymnastics, um, the women who excel are the women who manage to like stay prepubescent, which yeah. can lead to all sorts of. Um, you know, pr- problems. Um, and I guess she actually retired a couple of years ago because of um, complications from an eating disorder. Oh. So, sadly, she, like, she will not be there.
1: She was only like 14 or 15, I think, right? when they're, Yeah,
0: she was really young.
1: I mean, whatever they, they said her age was, like, she wasn't actually that age. Like, she was younger or whatever, but... Yeah, that's, that's oh, a bummer. Yeah, maybe. I think because I think yeah. I think I remember there being a controversy. Like, so they said she was like, fifteen or sixteen, but I think she was actually like a year or two younger. I don't remember, but she was just a little baby, and she was so good, and she was so great to watch, but.
0: Yeah, and all her uh, compatriot Yevgenia Medvedev, uh-huh. a bunch of, you know, I can't, I don't know how it's pronounced. She's great too. I don't think that there are any Russian skaters skating actually which is disappointing because, very, because they're really good. They are there. They, the Russian government has really funneled quite a lot of resources into their athletes. And especially, um, I think figure skating is really like their prestige sport. So, uh, it's disappointing. Actually, not to but,
1: derail further, but did you watch on Netflix, oh wait, the nope, documentary uh, Icarus? Or-
0: I did not hold that thought. Okay. I just looked at the Wikipedia article. Um, for what there is for the figure skating at the twenty eighteen Winter okay. Olympics, there will be um, a delegation of of Olympic athletes from Russia, as opposed to the Russian Federation. Huh. Okay. So they there will be some Good. tension with the Russians at Good. least. Yeah. There will also be a pair from North Korea competing. They're the only North Korean uh, skaters. So that's interesting. Well, actually,
1: speaking sort of going back to this movie before we detour again to Icarus for a second, but the North and South Korean hockey teams are forming one hockey team, and so we have hockey in this movie, so that's also mm. relatively timely. Yeah. Not that they're gonna do anything because I don't think they're very good at hockey, but you know they're they're uniting, I guess. So that's good. Question mark.
0: I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting.
1: So Icarus is a Netflix produced documentary that. It began as this guy who, I don't know if he was a documentarian, I don't know if he was a bicyclist, but he wanted to dope himself up to compete in this race that they, they say is basically if you take the seven toughest days... Of the tour de france and put them back to back over the span of a week that's this race
0: (laughs) no thank you and so he competed
1: one year clean and he came in like 15th or something and so then he was like okay so next year i'm gonna dope because there's like he was saying that like he's in this pack with a few other guys he could conceivably conceivably be better than but then like the top 10 were like this next tier above and so he was convinced that he had that they were all doping even though there was testing, even though there was all this different stuff, whatever, he was convinced that they were doping. So he's like, for next year, I'm going to dope, I'm going to do all this stuff, get it, you know, figure out a way to cheat the system, and I'm going to go back and compete. And so he starts to do that, and then he gets in touch with this Russian doctor who basically, the, the documentary shifts at this point, and it becomes about this guy who doped all of the Russian athletes and, like, you know, when they were in Sochi, like, he explains how they beat the system, and it becomes this whole thing about, like, you know, why is this guy helping me, and then while they're making the documentary, the news breaks about this guy, and then, like, you know, he's he's fearing for his life, and he flees to America, and, like, it's this whole, like, complicated story, but they talk about, like, they have, like, these Russian athletes in there, like, you know, footage of them, you know, crying and bawling about how, like, after they were, suspended from the 2016 olympics the summer olympics you know and then they were eventually reinstated or whatever but like it's this weird doping documentary that becomes about the whole russian doping scandal and about specifically about sochi and all this different stuff and like it's really it's it's long but it's interesting
0: Mm, that sounds interesting
1: so i would say check that out i think it's you know i don't think it's going away from netflix ever because they produced it but Uh, check it out it's called icarus and it's got some subtitle i don't know but it's about doping
0: yeah there's lots of uh interesting documentaries related to everything we're talking about i recently watched uh the diplomat which was made in 2013 as part of uh espn's nine for nine series
1: okay Um, that's the the series about the women athletes right
0: yeah, yeah they they did it kind of like the 30 for 30, but they were celebrating the 40th uh, anniversary of title nine, which mm-hmm. is a federal law that uh, requires that any educational institution that gets any financial aid from the federal government has to have equal opportunity um, based on gender. And so like one of the big places that that's manifested is in sports. Um, and so they, the diplomat is actually about Katerina Vitt who was a, uh, figure skater from East Germany.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, before the Berlin Wall fell and they um, kind of look at her celebrity status in East Germany and how that afforded her, you know, kind of all of these special privileges that most East Germans didn't have and, and kind of the, the pull between the East and West. And that was really good. Um, and then there is actually a 30 for 30 about figure skating about Nancy and Tanya and, which I highly recommend, because uh, I think, I think actually, *I*, I Tanya is based on some of the interviews that they got for that documentary, or or that was like the jumping off point. Okay. For for making the movie, um, yeah, they kind of it's like the documentary version of Itanya. but like more about Nancy Kerrigan too. Who, cool. um, I don't know. I, 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 I would say actually more than anything, it's about the media coverage of it.
1: Okay. Does that makes sense? Which yeah. I don't know if I, Tanya really gets into it. I mean, the media is there and you yeah. see the media, like, you know, camping out on her front lawn and everything, but it's not about, like, it's really just about Tanya, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's it doesn't really cover the era as much as just her in that era.
0: Yeah. And I think that the uh, 30 for 30 documentary does a good job.
1: Well, 30 for th- th- when, when a 30 for 30 is good, like it's really good. Like they can kill it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I thankfully have not seen many bad ones. So. Yes. It's good. Also, one last documentary that I don't remember the name of, so I'm going to look it up Solid. really quickly, um, is Johnny Weir's documentary that he made during um, the Sochi Olympics Oh. called Johnny Weir to Russia with Love, the impact of Russia's anti-gay laws on athlete, athletes and activists oh. in the days leading up to the 2014 Winter Olympic Games. Cool. It was really interesting because I kind of, because he was not out when he was, uh, competing, um, and it, like his stance was just like it's kind of nobody's business. And if you're paying attention, true. like it's it's fairly obvious like what my sexuality is. but right. I don't want to talk about it. Um, and has since been very out. But you kind of see his kind of uh, relationship to queerness kind of change over the course huh. of making the documentary because before he didn't really think of it as this political thing. And then he realized like just what uh, privilege it is to live in a country where he doesn't have to, or at least as of when he made the documentary, <laughs> he didn't have to fear for his life, you know, simply because he was a gay man. Right. Um,
1: I don't mean to laugh, you know, but I mean like, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean like we went backwards, we went backwards in time. Right.
0: Yes. Sadly, that is
1: true, and not in a fun way.
0: But fun way, the cutting edge, nineteen ninety two.
1: Oh man, the cutting edge. So, ah, how, where where to even begin with this uh, masterpiece of a film?
0: Um, I just it's it's such a good like tight a hundred and like. 101 minutes I think and it was just like nothing in it that doesn't need to be there like even if it is as predictable as you say it is which I don't necessarily think is true um it just it all of the the beats are like perfect and it has really good pacing and there's just nothing oh and all of the good sweet training montages oh
1: my god there I wrote down I probably missed a few but I tried to make note of every time there was a montage Um, there was a Doug falls down while Kate laughs at him montage.
0: Oh my God. My favorite one. Doug
1: teaching Kate how to play hockey montage. Uh There's a workout montage. There's another brief training montage. Um, there's an alcohol celebration montage. (laughs) Um, that was five. I'm sure I missed a couple. I'm sure I missed a couple other training. Yeah. But, I th-
0: yeah, I think there are like a couple more training montages. But there were a
1: few of those where they're like literally back to back scenes. Like it's 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 like Rocky Four in that way, where that movie is, <laughs> 85 minutes long, and the final fight is like 20 minutes, and then of the other like 65 minutes, it's, you know, probably 40 minutes of either montages or clips from previous movies. It's just, <laughs> it's just a masterpiece in that way. And so here, I mean, if you like bang for your buck, if you want to see, you know, Doug scoring goal after goal after goal on poor sweet Kate, like. Check out that hockey montage.
0: Yeah. But if you want to see him get humiliated over and over <laughs> again, uh, definitely check out the montage where he falls down a bunch and she yells toe pick at him
1: repeatedly. So what's weird about it a little bit is that, obviously he's a good skater because he he, he plays ice hockey and everything like that, but he seems like the kind of guy, maybe just because he's next to her, but he seems like the kind of guy who's sort of like a, an enforcer, like you know an attacker, like a wing, like an aggressive hockey player. But he's like, no, I'm the best skater out there, and like, I don't know if that's like his hubris talk, but it seems like he's trying to say like he's a great skater, but like, clearly he's not. Or is it just saying that like being a great skater doesn't necessarily translate to this other thing?
0: Yeah, I, skating. I mean, the whole toe pick thing is based on the fact that you actually wear different skates when figure skating or playing hockey, and figure skates actually have that like serrated front part that's the toe pick yep. um, and that's used for jumps and, and all sorts of um, fun figure skatey things. Uh, and so if you're used to skating super fast on hockey skates, and then you go from that to figure skates, the toe pick, a lot of times will kind of uh, trip you up, but also, I mean, you're skating in a very different style for a very different purpose. So I think, you know, with, Hockey skating—it's um, sloppy, isn't the word that I'm looking for, but it's just—you know—you're not.
1: It's not finesse. It's it's just aggressive. It's
0: definitely not finesse. Finesse, yeah. And also, I mean, figure skating is so balletic and yeah. requires really good uh proprioception which is your perception and your sense of like where your body exists in space and like where your limbs are and that sort of thing whereas where i don't think that you really need to be that aware of it with hockey skating because you're just plowing into things whereas i think that's probably
1: simplifying things a little bit but i don't know enough about hockey to really defend that but i see where you're going
0: yeah, and like with figure skating, you have to be aware of what your arms are doing, and and you need to, your feet to be in a very specific uh, configuration to do any sort of jumps and that sort of thing. So I think it's it's just a different style of skating, uh-huh. and so among hockey players, he might be the very best skater, um, but among figure skaters, she seems to be among the very best skaters. Yes. Um, which is part of the reason why they wind up together, because she also has some personality issues <laughs> that um, don't lend it, itself very well to uh, pair skating. And so that, coupled with the fact that she seems to have this uh, exceptional talent and ability, has made it hard for her to find a, somebody on, on her level as far as skating I mean the
1: tagline was... to this movie is the king of the rink is about to meet America's ice queen and so uh it's I mean that's that sums it up right there you know he's the yeah the best hockey player and she is you know like uh Elsa in Frozen basically just yeah. you yeah. know has to be alone I do like that her dad is John Locke from Lost we get Terry <laughs> O'Quinn with hair which is pretty great uh but you know oh, and the worst mustache yeah <laughs> But, like, like, I feel like she doesn't get along with anybody. Like, it's it's weird. No. And, you know, as the movie goes on, and she has a boyfriend appear out of nowhere, which is, I guess, expected or understandable, and then he proposes to her. And then she breaks it off and then gets drunk for the first time and throws herself at Doug. And I'm kind of on his side and, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm supposed to just drop everything and, like, get with you? Like, I feel like in her secluded ice queen world she doesn't really have a sense of like how other people think kind of right like it's not just yeah able to uh, interact with them it's like well how do my actions translate into you know how other people perceive me and like i don't think she cares which is sort of a good sense to have but but by the time that like she does care about what other people think like it's it's this weird 180 and he's like well no like that's that's weird
0: yeah well she's had this like really isolated life where uh her father is like extremely rich you know and all she's ever done is trained to be an olympic figure skater she didn't even get to go to school she just had tutors um you know so i think she just like doesn't really have social skills and has never really needed them
1: Um, i do like when doug asks where'd you matriculate from because that's a fun (laughs) word for him to drop in that sentence
0: yeah uh but uh in addition to the king of the rink is about to meet america's ice queen there's some other taglines oh
1: i'm sure i'm sure they're all amazing can you hit me with them
0: when true love breaks the
1: ice oh
0: and then these next two are kind of a a play on the same idea one theirs is a love skate relationship (laughs) the second one is the ultimate love skate relationship
1: yep That's a better one than the previous one, but yes. Yeah, I agree. I also do love that, as you can imagine, in a story of a mismatched duo, they do fall in love as the movie goes on, and the movie ends with a flawless performance, a kiss, a freeze frame, and then credits. And I was like, oh, this is the perfect ending to a movie.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even know if they got the medal or not.
1: But in their hearts, does it matter? No, because they have each other. What does he say? He says... Uh, don't say we're not right for each other, because the way I see it, we might not be right for anybody else.
0: Well, that's definitely true. <laughs> they, they, they both seem undateable. But um, this is something, actually, that keeps coming up in the movies that we watch, are these like really poorly timed declarations of love from like the male character to the main female character. And this is... One of the most poorly timed declarations of love, because he actually says it—is it before their short program or before?
1: No, it's before the long program program because the they they do the short program and then they go back to the hotel and he's like, I don't know why we can't have a double header, like you know, it just feels like foreplay, like let's let's get the foreplay out of the way, like let's just get to the main event or whatever. And then I think that's the night—is that the night that they get drunk? The timeline of all of this is a little fuzzy to me.
0: Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know.
1: Because I think in my brain they do the short program, they do the the announcers are like things aren't like it looks like they're too str-. No, 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 it's not because uh, they get drunk the night before. Right. I think because he sleeps with the redhead, the other figure skating duo, because that's before the short program, I think. When they go out there, because the announcer's are like, it looks like there's two strangers out there. Like, they're, they're not, like, skidding together yeah. in unison. But, like, they get really good scores. Um, yeah. And then they, he says the foreplay line, and then they go back out there. And then before the final skate, which is a long program, that's when he confesses his love to her.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, like, right before you step on the ice is probably not the time.
1: But... Maybe it gave them the motivation to do the... What's it called? The Pemchenko? Pem, yeah, Pemchenko, Pemchenko twist. Is that a real move? I know it's a... Um, is it called that, I guess, is the question.
0: I don't think so. I came across a video of something that looks very familiar with it, although I think the ending of it is different. I think with the Pemchenko, there's like a toss involved, whereas what I watched was didn't, didn't end in a toss. But um, it was called The Headbanger.
1: Yeah, because like... Which is
0: actually I think she gets officially... a concussion in this
1: movie, basically, like, because of this move.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's extremely dangerous <laughs> and has been banned. Like, it, it's, it's an illegal move as far as um, the laws of figure skating are concerned. So, like, people cannot do that in competition because it is extremely dangerous. Um, well, we,
1: let's describe it for a second. So he grabs her by the ankles... And sort Uh of just spins in a circle and, like, brings her low-high, low-high, low-high. Like, straight out like a plank. And then it ends when he tosses her into into the air to do, like, a triple axle or something. And then she lands it. But when they're practicing it, he basically drops her on her head and then skitters away. And then... They're like, this is too dangerous. We can't put in the routine. And then that's when, she, at the end, after he confesses his love to her, she's like, we're going to do it. It's like, well, this is definitely not the right time to do this then. Yeah.
0: But she says, well, I feel like kicking a little ass or something. Which yeah. Is a great line. Um, yeah. Well, the opening scene when they're at the 1988 Olympics with a, a previous partner of hers he, like that partner drops her during their performance. So there's like this kind of like established line, I think, and you could because you see her get dropped a few times throughout the movie and it's like kind of the ultimate betrayal and the ultimate breaking of trust. And then add that to um, the kind of weird, almost have sex and then don't have sex with the redhead instead situation. And it's like totally broken her trust of him. So,
1: I mean, it's two against the world, really. It's, you know, if she can't trust him, she, she's literally got no one else. So, uh, she's got to, I guess. I also, I mean, I, so how do you feel about, I, I don't know if it has to be in there or not. I guess, I guess it's sort of, it fits, but when he goes back home to his brother question mark his brother's bar and mm-hmm. says you know what they say that he was working in the he, they, he said that he was like working in the military or something right and that he was like an active he's a merchant marine merchant marine but then he he pulls his brother aside. he's like no i've been figure skating and like his brother reacts like he's coming out of the closet like he's just like oh i can't believe yeah. he's like I don't, I, I don't know who you are anymore
0: Well, because they're these, you know, Minnesota macho ice hockey guys, you know, and it like the least macho thing in the world, at least the perception of one of the least macho things in the world is figure skating, you know? So I think socially that that is kind of a, a pretty big divide to to cross.
1: I think so too. And especially it feels like he's from small town USA. And so, mm-hmm. you know, small mind, I guess, or just not open to the world. And also this is 25 years ago. And so there's right. also that or you know, if this is even, you know, cuz this movie like you said before spans 4 years like from 88 to 92 sort of and like maybe this is even 90, so maybe it's closer to 30 years ago and you know, it's it's understandable it just
0: I mean, height of the AIDS epidemic, yeah. you know, and, like, I think it's not that that far for somebody who thinks of figure skating as something that, like, sissies do to, you know, from there to homophobia to...
1: I do wonder, I don't think he says in this movie, maybe he does, but I don't remember, it. but, like, he could say, you know, well, like, you should see the girl, you know, if he wants to, like... Bro, it up with his brother. Like, you should see the girl that I work with every day. And like, like, you know, there's even the shot in the or the, there's the scene in the movie where he's like, "You want me to put my hands where?" And like, yeah. all you have to do, to, like, to sort of like get your brother, I guess, back on your like bro side, is like say like, you know, I get to like, you know, do whatever to this girl. I don't know. Like, there's there's ways to sort of spin that into a positive. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in that close-minded, like, I can't believe that you're figure skating, uh, whatever. Like, I can't believe that this is what you've become. I think there's a way to say that, but he doesn't. I don't know if I don't know if he's just caught off guard. I don't know if he's whatever. or If that's just not the movie, what the movie wants to be. But what is this movie rated by the way? PG-13. Oh, well,
0: that's a good question. I don't even know.
1: Because I, um, it was on HDNet Movies, which is PG. PG. Mm-hmm. Because it's it, it really sort of. I mean, it's not like aggressive, but like it it sort of toes the line between like, is this okay or is this not okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think it, it mostly. Like, the thing about watching this again that was so satisfying is that there's really not, I mean, there's some, like, problematic Taming of the Shrew overtones that I don't (laughs) love. Um, But there's nothing that I have to, like, make the grand bargain of, like, I'm going to let this be okay because I, I just want to enjoy the rest of the movie, you know, which so often happens when I'm watching something, whether it be like how the woman is treated or there's some sort of like really horrendously ableist thing that happens or, you know, just have to like that reasonable suspension of like, I'm just gonna not get too worked up about this because I just want to be able to enjoy a movie. There There's... Almost none of that in this, which is really refreshing.
1: Well, because what's what's crazy about this movie is, like, it's an hour and 40 minutes, and, like, it, it flies by. Like, there's nothing, mm-hmm. like, and I don't know if that's just because of the montages or just, like, because it has a lot of ground to cover, but there's just a lot happening, and it almost doesn't have time to slow down and, like, throw anything like that's, like, too problematic. I mean, like, like you said, there is stuff that you sort of maybe wish wasn't in there or whatever, but, like, it, it, it almost doesn't care at times, about the story. Like, it's just about, like, the action, which is kind of cool. Like, I feel like it almost was, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, producers saying, like, okay, look, like, there's going to be, you know, young girls who come out for figure skating and for the love story, but, like, we also need something for, like, their the, the boyfriends that they drag to the theater to, like, have some kind of, like, action and, like, sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's kind of the type of movie that doesn't seem like it would, but sort of covers more quadrants... Than you. Than it. You think it would.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's that's been. Uh, I've found generally when I've like encouraged people to see this movie, I'm like, you think you won't like it, but like, there's something for everyone. It's got incredible physical comedy. Yep. You know, like it's got the love story. It's got the action. It's got the training montages, and this story is like extremely competent. You know, it's it's like written by somebody who like knows what they're doing, right. and like, you know, even if it is um, predictable, like you said, like it just it it hits all the all the somethings. I don't know what.
1: <laughs> it was written by Tony Gilroy, who wrote mm-hmm. the Born trilogy. He wrote Rogue One, I think. Uh, I mean, he has written like like it it almost feels out of character he wrote uh, you know what else he wrote the devil's advocate yep <laughs> so okay so tell me i know you said y- your theory fell apart but you said that this has this yeah. movie was at one point in your research there was a grand unifying theory of the cage club podcast network so what what did you think like what was your goal what was your ambitious like how was this all going to piece together how was this going to be the pepe silvia of <laughs> of your uh i don't beautiful even know mind?
0: To be honest, I don't even know anymore. I was just kind of, like, clicking through people's profiles on IMDb. Okay. While I was watching it. And, yeah, I think I once I saw that the um, the writer also wrote The Devil's Advocate, which hits both Keanu and Charlize. Um, also, in his trivia, one of the trivia points is that he's good friends with Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> so, he got some makers <laughs> there. Um Executive producer Robert W. Court produced executive produced The Bill and Ted's Oh, okay. Movies, as did the uh, one of the other EPs Ted Field who also executive produced The Invention of Lying which features philip seymour hoffman and i know that because the ps i love hoffman guys just asked us if we wanted to be on that episode so otherwise i wouldn't have picked up on that but which and that's actually the episode that came out
1: yesterday as you're listening to this so
0: well there you go um oh uh and with that guy i got the keanu kung fu movie mixed up with last samurai with tom okay so i was like holy shit he's got a keanu movie in there too (laughs) not true but uh the cinematographer elliot davis was also the cinematographer on man of tai chi so
1: which is a great movie which is which was mike's pick for the best keanu reeves film so that counts you want to know something. what else what else he
0: did out of sight oh. and *Grey's anatomy oh works.
1: very cool so yeah so everybody behind the scenes also had their hands in other pots things that we've done
0: and like almost all of them worked on kazam together
1: which is amazing (laughs) you know (laughs) what's it's it's still it still makes me happy when like you know we we come across a movie on one of the podcasts we do that also has another actor from another podcast that we do but like at this point in time we've had like we've done like 10 people you know what i mean like there's like there's Mm -hmm. there's there's almost like an expectation that there's going to be crossover yet it still never fails to delight me when we're like oh look They're Shia LaBeouf in the Shannon Tatum movie, like, uh, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure there's connections that I didn't pick up on. If any of our wistful thinking listeners are amazing computer programmer people. Um, I really need somebody to make me a tool where I can put in a bunch of different names and it pulls all of the data from IMDB and then like maps their connections. If I had had more time before we recorded this, I probably would have made some sort of, like, map. But I'm glad that we didn't have more time, because that would have been
1: a weird use of my limited resources. It would have been a little bit of an exercise in madness. What I did find out... uh, Well, actually, no, one other connection is D.B. Sweeney was in Hardball with Keanu. Um, there you go in some i think he might have played like his douchey friend but what i did not know which uh i can imagine you might cover on this podcast one day was that moira kelly uh voiced nala in the lion king Oh
0: yeah yeah she did i'm surprised that like you know i
1: you there's so much ground for you guys to cover and you haven't done too many i mean you've done probably close to 25 now so there's a good amount but like Mm -hmm. i'm I'm this is actually our 20th episode okay well congratulations to both of you thank you uh and 20 more at least hopefully more with jordan um but i'm surprised that like people like somebody did jurassic park but like i feel like lion king is another one of those that like everybody's seen and everybody loves and i imagine it's only sort of a matter of time until that pops up
0: yeah that's interesting i don't think a single person has even floated it as an idea
1: because you did the little mermaid right so that's probably the closest you came yeah
0: yeah i think so I don't know. Disney movies are just kind of just boring <laughs> to me. So
1: well, one other thing that Moira Kelly was in, cause I was looking, I was like, why don't, cause they both seem familiar and I haven't seen either of them in a lot of things. I 100% thought D.B.
0: Cooper was dead. Wait, that's not even his name. D.B. Cooper was Sweeney. the guy who uh, robbed a bank and then hijacked a the plane. Maybe, yeah, and then maybe jumped out of the plane. No one knows. So, so D.B. Sweeney I definitely thought was dead but it turns out he's just one of those guys that's been a working actor yeah. and has been in like a zillion different things and that's why he looks so familiar probably.
1: So speaking of D.B. Cooper for a second, we're detouring again because why not? Uh, when I had the worst job that I've ever had, which was uh, at a market research company, I literally had no work to do for three months um it's when i first really got into podcasting because or like inter listening to podcasts because uh-huh. i was like i need to kill my days somehow because this is miserable but the other thing that i would do to pass the time is i would just go find the longest wikipedia articles that i could find and read them <laughs> and i wound up going down this rabbit hole of like you know serial killers and like the fbi's most wanted so i, I read db cooper's uh, wikipedia page and it's, it's fascinating I'm like there's still talk that he might be alive who knows <laughs> but weirdly what i was gonna say before we uh, you know the other thing when i after, right after i said talked about lion king the other thing that i know moira kelly from is twin peaks fire walk with me
2: mm, she
1: plays yeah. donna um who uh, you know after oh god what's her name jordan's gonna be so disappointed that i don't remember donna's name donna hayward actress uh, she was originally played by Laura Flynn Boyle in the TV series. And the, okay. She did not come back for the movie, so they brought in Moira Kelly, and so when I first saw the movie a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, but sort of tying it back to what we were just saying, D.B. Cooper, main character in Twin Peaks, Dale Cooper. So, sort of interesting there. So, it's, it, well, it's a grand unifying theory of the Cage Club Podcast Network, and also uh, my weird brain, too.
0: Yeah, um, somebody, I think the cinematographer, speaking of your weird brain, also <laughs> shot um, Little Children, which was adapted from a book by Tom Parada, who oh. wrote The Leftovers. Yes. So, um, And then also circling back around to Twin Peaks, the episode that we were going to record this week before um, Jordan's tragedy with the computer... <laughs> is uh, death becomes her
1: which st- Oh, uh, I want to see it cuz whenever you if you guys do that I want to see that cuz I haven't seen that movie.
0: Okay. Um I was disappointed.
1: Oh no. That That's a Bruce Willis I one, right?
0: Loved it. Yeah. I loved it as a kid cuz it was like on cable all of the time. But um it turns out it doesn't it doesn't hold up. That's sad. Um but, but Isabella is in oh. it. Oh. And she was in Twin Peaks, and was a lover and collaborator of David Lynch's for quite a while. Yeah.
1: And David Lynch, a little bit of a spoiler, but although I think it sort of makes sense if you think about it, we will be covering him eventually, one year from now, or not not one year from Shocking. now, some year from now, on Cinemakers. So uh, we will see a lot of Isabella Rossellini there.
0: Yeah. She's so good. She is
1: very good. You know what else is good? This movie.
0: It is. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to think. Um, what, other,
1: what other things? Like it's hard to talk about a movie where like everything kind of seems to blur into each other.
0: Yeah. Oh, speaking of blurs. Oh my <laughs> God. The movie poster <laughs> is so good. It has this incredible, it's, it's the two of them skating directly toward each other with this great, like early Photoshop motion blur.
1: Oh, I'm looking at it now. It. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Cause I didn't see that one. I just saw the other one where it just basically oh, the top half of that poster. But yeah, whew, man, that is real wonderfully bad. Wait, so this is, so how many cutting edge movies are there? There's like four or have you seen yeah. all of them? I have. Are any of the other ones <laughs> good? Listen, I love them. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> good. Probably not. All right. Uh, the first sequel, I think, has, like, their daughter in it. So, huh. spoiler alert. Wait, so how far in the it, future is it? Um, You know what? Let me just look them up, and I can tell you.
1: While you looked that up, I did notice that D.B. Sweeney is in a new TV series called Ice, which I thought was mm-hmm. pretty coincidental, but it's about diamonds. It's not about ice skating. Yeah, it's
0: definitely not about actual ice, which is unfortunate. Um...
1: So if they, okay, so in terms of timeline, so they kiss for the first time at the 92 Olympics, say they date for a while, so they get married in like, let's say the end of 93, beginning of 94. Mm-hmm. How far in the future is this movie about their kid?
0: 2006, so she would be 12, and she's definitely not 12 in that movie. <laughs> Who cares?
1: How old is she? Like, um, is she like 16 or 18? Like, is she older? Or she younger? Yeah. She's older, okay. Yeah,
0: she's old enough to be competing at the Olympic, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. so a little bit so, of revisionist history, but that's totally fine. Right, spoiler alert.
0: It's, even though you don't see them medal in the movie, it is canon that they did win the gold medal.
1: That makes me so. happy.
0: Yeah, me too. So this, the second one, uh, well, first before I get into that. Uh, both Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney made a deal with each other not to do a sequel without the other one. They had been offered a script to a possible sequel, but Sweeney said that the script was terrible and the money being offered was insultingly low. Oh, no. Since then, a directed dvd sequel and two TV movie sequels have been made without their involvement. So, they're not in the sequels. Um, but the sequel does... Uh, Jackie Dorsey is their daughter... Um, who is she played by christy carlson romano oh whoever that is she okay you know who that So is? yes
1: so here's another oh crazy connection she was on even stevens and played shiloh's sister
0: oh my god this movie really is the grand unifying theory of the cage club podcast network amazing at least one degree
1: separated <laughs> from so I I just, what was weird is that I Googled, because I just Googled, uh, what did I just Google? Jackie Dorsey, and it brought up the Wikipedia page for that movie that's about her. But when I was watching the movie, I Googled Pamchenko, and the wiki for this movie comes up, but the word is not on that page. So however Google caches wiki pages, I guess at one point Pamchenko had been mm-hmm. on the page or something? Because I was like, is this real? That's why I asked you about it. But like, it's, it's a, it's, it, like, Google knows that people are searching for this movie, even (laughs) though it's not on the wiki page, which I think is just a marvel of the modern internet.
0: Yeah. So yeah, the cutting edge, going for the gold, cutting the cutting edge, chasing the dream. Okay. Um, And they're like all of them are love stories. Of course. One of them, instead of a hockey player, he's like a rollerblader. Are they always
1: mismatched duos?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I believe so.
1: I guess that's just like their that's their that's their thing.
0: Yeah, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Johnny Weir is actually in oh, one of them wow. because it takes place at it must be 2008 Chasing the Dream, um, the one that takes place at the Torino Olympics. Okay, and Johnny Weir has like a.
1: Like a cameo Cameo in that one. Um, You know what surprised me about this movie? That it's a Christmas movie. Uh, Sort of. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they celebrate Christmas. They give each other Christmas presents. They give each other the worst Christmas presents.
0: (laughs) Talk about two ships passing in the (laughs) night. Yeah. Wow. Like They couldn't not know each other more.
1: And Cause she, he gets her like the hockey jersey, Bobby Hall jersey, some, whoever that is. He's a great hockey player. But like what's he, like it's it's a terrible gift for her. But it's this thing that means so much to him that it yeah. was his and she can't even pretend to fake interest in it.
0: Yeah, but also, like, why would you give that to It's
1: also a terrible gift for her.
0: I get why you think, like, oh, this is important to me, so it'll be important to somebody else. But, like, buddy, that's not how gifts work. Uh, What does she get him? She gets him a book. Oh, yeah, Pride and Prejudice or something?
1: Something. It's, like, some, because she's reading by the rink, and that's when they start talking about the school. In
0: her ice skates without skate guards on.
1: (laughs) Come on. Yeah, I just wrote down that she got him a book. Um, oh, but then... So, like, there's, like... This is the part of the movie where, like, there's these weird interactions and, like, they're they're sort of revealing themselves to each other and, like, he walks in on her while she's changing. I didn't love this. He, like, refuses to
0: leave and just is like, here, I got you a Christmas gift. <laughs> Again,
1: buddy, read the room. Like, not the time. But what was what was strange to me was that, like, he sees this beautiful girl you know, almost naked. Like she, he's, he's been with her every day. And then the next scene is when they're at that like Christmas party or whatever. And he sees her in the ball mm-hmm. gown and he's like, Oh, now I'm in love. Like, like that's the scene. I'm just like, it could have been like any scene between the beginning of the movie and where we are now. But like, this is the scene where you fall in love with her. Like, I guess he just loves her formal side. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I think cause usually they see each other in workout clothes you know, which is like not that far off from being naked. Sure. Uh, oh, it was a New Year's Eve party because they almost kiss at midnight. Sweaty. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: But they don't because he. Yeah, he averts I wouldn't his... really classify. Go ahead.
0: This as a Christmas movie. It's a winter movie, which I think is a broader genre.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there is Christmas in it though. Yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, he like they almost kiss and like he averts his mouth. I guess he doesn't want to be a homewrecker because this is by he's met her boyfriend by this point, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because he's at the party. Yes. And he, like, sees her kiss him at midnight.
1: Which is devastating to this, to this <laughs> dynamic mismatch duo. Um, I do like that they, I mean, I would actually, I don't know why I said that. I don't know if I like that they use her engagement as a way to sort of psych him out. Like, it feels like he's mm. finally confident in what he's doing and like their routine and their partnership. And then she's like, I'm engaged. And he's like, what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like that was just like, that was a beat where he needed to get psyched out and they were like, we'll just make her get engaged. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yep. Wait, so let me see here. I'm just. I'm looking. I'm trying. I'm still trying to like. I'm like reading through my notes to figure out the order of everything. I wrote down that Doug just wants a double header. So wait. So hold on. So they're at the trials, and then he's nervous. He's like, "It's going to pass in ten minutes," and she says, wait, "Our routine wait, is only two minutes." Before you
0: even get into that, they go from practicing in private to competing in the
1: nationals. Yep, nothing in between.
0: That's not how that works. But anyway.
1: <laughs> and not continue. only competing in nationals, but like. There's only three couples competing in nationals. Yeah.
0: Well, that you see. I mean, usually there's... Because, like, even with t- television coverage, it's like this. Like, there's a bunch more, but they only show, you know, a few of them. Sure.
1: There is the... Oh, right, because it's her ex-partner. Right,
0: right. And
1: he's, right. like, the ex... What, what Doug calls the ex-husband and his new wife. And that redhead is the one that he sleeps with. Um, and then yeah. there's some other couple that like there's only like six skaters and like we I don't even think we see the other two or no no we see them in the German outfits I think right and they mm,
0: I think they're Russian. they're Russian yeah. out,
1: but the, the 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 little village the the European village outfits or whatever the later that they trip over um
0: I don't even remember later but... I
1: think I don't know this movie like I said is a blur
0: I just the are you talking about the, the couple with the woman that has the blonde bowl cut?
1: Maybe. Probably. Yeah. It's
0: a very prominent <laughs> bowl cut. It's so distracting.
1: Um, but yeah, so they they do... They go to Nationals. They do escape. He says that he wants a doubleheader. They're down to two couples with a second pair being sent out. Then they go out for celebratory tequila shots.
0: Mm. Oh, that's why the drinking happens. Yes. I knew they were celebrating something. I couldn't remember.
1: And then that's where we get the uh, alcohol celebration montage. And I wrote down that she's drunk in love with him. And then she gives her drunken tirade about just what I need someone else telling me what to do. And then she says, in case you miss it, I'm throwing myself at you. I'm tearing off my clothes and you're giving me a rundown of drinking do's and don'ts. Uh, but he's kind of, he's, he he's right. Passing
0: in the night. Oh no, of course. I'm really glad that he was like, no, we definitely shouldn't have sex right now. That was the appropriate thing to do. Uh, and also serves the purpose of like breaking down that trust between the two of them at a
1: critical moment. Yep. And then, oh, okay. So that's that's what I that's where I'm confusing because they actually do because that's all at nationals, and that's when they, they go out to right. celebrate after they they advance nationals. But then there's the at the end is the Olympics. There's the five weeks I think between the nationals and the Olympics, mm-hmm. and like that's when they add in. Uh, the illegal move which is the Pemchenko, right like that's when he's like we're gonna add this in now right. and i was like what
0: yeah that's crazy yeah so and even doug
1: was like he's like what what's happening here
0: yeah um so they actually trained together for like two months learning to figure skate and the first week that they were shooting she sprained her ankle and it's basically a body double for the entire movie, even though apparently she was like a pretty good skater, really? which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but for the Penchenko, it's a, it's a dummy that he's just flinging around. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I, I got some, some D.B. Sweeney quotes. I wrote down D.B. Cooper. So <laughs> Change that. TV. Sweeney quotes from Entertainment Weekly oh, okay. interview in 2012. Okay, um, when asked about how he felt about learning to skate for the movie, he said that he had done this baseball movie called Eight Men Out. I played baseball my whole life in college and beyond and stuff, and I didn't hit left-handed, and I learned to hit left-handed, which was extremely difficult for a baseball player to believably do that. So I guess I felt like I could learn it as well as I could, and then they would just have to use stunt doubles and trick photography and whatever else. I didn't really worry about it much until the first week of filming. Moira had gotten so good at it, and she had started to land jumps but then she landed funny on a jump and he says he broke her leg, but it was a sprained ankle. Um, And that was the first time I got really nervous. I was hoping they could film her and I could hide in the background, but now (laughs) a lot of it was going to be me with her stunt double, Sharon Cars. And so I ended up doing a lot more skating than I had planned, and certainly more than the producers had planned. If you skate with an Olympics level skater, they're going to make you skate so much better. It's like having the world's greatest training wheels. So Sharon was able to make me look a lot better than I would have looked skating by myself.
1: When we watched uh, Coach Carter, for magic mics uh there was news i'm gonna find the, the thing they the that's, that's a movie about basketball where samuel jackson you know basically brings this ragtag bunch of misfits into a uh, championship team or whatever and they actors had to learn 70 plays for the movie and that's like a lot i feel like even for athletes but then for actors to have to learn 70 basketball plays is like what so like it's always impressive to me, not only like athletes that train and prepare and do all this stuff, but when actors portraying those athletes also kinda of go that extra step, it's like, wow, like okay.
0: Yeah, for Jaws three. <laughs> um what's her name? Oh god. Who plays Marty McFly's mom in Back to the Future?
1: Um oh God, what's her name? <laughs> back to the future i do like that this is not the first time and i'm sure it won't be the last time that jaws 3 has come up on this podcast leah thompson
0: yeah leah thompson she learned to uh water ski for that cool. and like synchronized water ski wow. like, one of those pyramid things yeah that's cool yeah i mean that's a, that's a cool part of being an actor is that sometimes you get to learn to have like weird superpowers that you otherwise would never get any, like, opportunity to learn. Yeah,
1: because you're, you're literally getting paid to learn how to do something cool. Like, mm-hmm. all right. Like, athletes get paid to do cool things, but, like, you're not getting... You're not signing a basketball contract to learn how to play basketball. But, right. you know, you can sign a... Name. They
0: they expect you to know that already. Probably,
1: just a little bit. But you can sign on to a movie, like, with the understanding of, like, oh, yeah, I'm athletic and know about basketball, but I don't really know how to play basketball and then you go through, right. like, you know, two days or three days or whatever and get paid to get in better shape and learn a sport. So that's cool.
0: Oh, I just found the quote about the Pemchenko from from okay. D.B. Sweeney. Um, the way it's designed, I throw her and then I stand still and I catch her. And you can only do that if she's Supergirl and she's going to fly back to me. So it doesn't make any sense at all. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to really think about it too much. It is what it is. And when I was spinning her around, it wasn't actually Moira. It was a mannequin. That worked out pretty well, except the wig kept flying off the mannequin. <laughs> so you start thinking about things like, how can I help the wig stay on the mannequin instead of worrying about the impossibility of the trick?
1: I guess that's that's sort of the acting equivalent of just concentrate on my forehead, right? Like, just focusing on the specific <laughs> thing and don't worry about the craziness of what we have to do, but instead just focus on the wig and, you know, the rest of it will just take care of itself, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it definitely did.
1: The only other thing I wanted to I say actually... about this while you while you skim through your notes is that the end, um, when she... when he says something like, you know, about when they did the Pamchenko, he says, you didn't have to, and she says, yes, I did. He, he asks, why? And she says, because I love you, and he says, just remember who said it first. So... Even in love, they are competitive. So, what a yeah. couple.
0: Yeah, <laughs> What a nightmare couple. Uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, I'm glad that I watched this movie. I uh, don't know that I'm going to watch the sequels. But... Um, yeah, you could probably skip them. They're not...
0: They're not mandatory watching. Like this, I feel like everyone needs to see the sequels. Not so much. Because they're basically the same movie, but worse with worse um, like
1: with with less recognizable actors not that these guys are very recognizable yeah. as it is but
0: yeah and moira kelly is just so good in this she has like such good faces yep her reaction faces are always yes. really mm-hmm. so good and as a woman who lived through the great eyebrow scare of the early aughts it's always really nice Wait, what does to that mean woman with natural eyebrows Uh, I don't know if you remember, but in the early 2000s, women plucked their eyebrows within an inch of their life, and there were just these really tiny, skinny, ridiculous-looking lines of hair, or sometimes just eyebrow pencil. Um, Everyone looked really surprised all of the time. It was awful. It was a very dark time. (laughs) Um, But I love uh, women with natural eyebrows, because... Like, oh, remember remember a simpler time when we didn't have to turn our faces into something t- really weird looking. But anyway.
1: But anyway. Um oh there's something else what else do I want to say. Have you guys announced have you said what the next movie we're gonna do is or no?
0: No, but we can.
1: Uh it is another movie that I have not seen, but like I admitted on the Casper episode, uh the star of this next movie was my first childhood crush. Um, so I am super excited to see... Drumroll, please. I think I know the name of the movie, but I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm going to let you say it.
0: Ice Princess. Yes. Starring...
1: Michelle Trachtenberg. Harriet the Spy herself.
0: Yeah, and Kim Cattrall. What I
1: like is that we have the Ice Queen in this movie, and we are going to the Ice Princess
0: mm-hmm. next movie. Oh, the, it's definitely part of lineage. I mean, that was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do a figure skating movie podcast, because there's definitely... I mean, this is a whole genre. There are with genre conventions of its own and uh, all sorts of interesting, weird connections between movies. Um, but in Ice Princess, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg uses the power of physics to overcome both figure skating and class inequalities. So I'm really excited to watch it again. I am super excited to watch it for the first time. That
1: sounds great. Yeah. Oh, man. Nothing
0: can stop her from realizing her dream to be a champion figure skater. So
1: in the Olympics, is the ice skating the first half or this is the second half? First half. And so, the, so, so that will be out. So when the next episode comes out, it's right around the start, right? Or no? Yeah. Or in the middle, sort of, somewhere.
0: No, it's definitely, it's like right at the start. I think the next day, okay. tomorrow, as you listen to this, will be the first day of the Olympics. Well, not this one, but or the maybe next maybe opening ceremony. Right No, this one. Because this one's going to be coming out this week.
1: Right, but the Olympics don't start this week. So,
0: you are right. (laughs) You are definitely right.
1: Calendars, man. (laughs) I
0: forgot what day it was. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea where I am. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Olympics are starting in a couple weeks. When Ice Princess comes out, I think the opening ceremonies are like the next day. And ice skating is like that whole... First week and a half, and then it's other stuff after that, including but not limited to hockey. And we might be doing a hockey movie oh, man.
1: as well. What are your uh, three favorite non ice skating Winter Olympic sports?
0: Definitely curling. Curling's
1: definitely great. Maybe number one.
0: Been a huge curling fan since uh, uh, 1998 Nagano. Olympics.
1: I remember. In 1998, I was in fifth grade, and I had... I don't remember if it was the flu or something, and I was home for a week, and that week was the Olympics, and I was like, oh, this is... I could not have timed this better.
0: <laughs> the seeds were planted. The best. Uh, so curling... Um, you know, I have to look at a list, because... I'm going to say... I don't I know mean, what's, if it's whatever. my favorite,
1: but I somehow can watch an entire 4-hour cross-country skiing race or mm. or what's the long- I like the
0: biathlon cuz yes. sometimes they have to lay down and shoot something. Right.
1: And – it seems, I mean, not that it seems like an easy shot that I could do, but you're like these are world-class athletes and they're just like so spent from having skied miles and miles and miles that they're, like, they're out of breath and can't shoot straight. And it's like
0: Yeah, well that's why the biathlon's so crazy. Yeah.
1: I also do like the uh, speed skating.
0: Mm, I don't know. Don't do it. I, no, not really. I don't know. I'm not really that into sprinting in the Summer Olympics either. It just it's kinda of boring. What I'm into
1: is just whenever there's like a, a dominant performance and I feel like in speed skating, whether it's individuals or teams, it seems like more often than in any other sport there's just one like it's not necessarily exciting to watch because it's not like a good Close matchup, but I feel like you know, the Swedes or the the Finnish or the no, the Netherlands, the orange clad Netherlands, just dominate and just like.
0: I mean, that's why it's kind of boring, is because like, it's just like, oh, okay, Netherlands won again, cool.
1: Yeah, but you gotta give them props. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, curling. I think I would combine, uh, like bobsledding and lugeing. Anything where you're like hurling your body down some ice I think is really fun it's super dangerous and interesting to watch um, and hockey I, I always always liked hockey although I, I, I think hockey suffers from a lack of inspired uh, shooting it, like the way that football has just completely engineered this entire, like, camera system yeah. of being able to, to shoot it and make it really dynamic and interesting. Like, hockey needs something like that because it's hard
1: to see. Well, they did the glowing happening. puck in the 90s and everybody hated it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say hockey, but it's just... Hockey is great in the Olympics, but it's also, like, well, it's only it's going to come down to the US and Canada and maybe Russia. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's no other countries that can compete. Like, they don't even care, I don't think.
0: Uh, no, that's not true. I think Sweden is big. Like, the... What's his face? It's on the Rangers. The Swedish.
1: One, one um, quest?
0: Yeah. That guy. That guy. Very handsome guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Nordic countries, where it's, the places where it's cold out, and you can just, like, play hockey in your backyard. Yeah. And people grow up doing
1: that um Um, but yeah the Olympics rule
0: yeah do you have any uh predictions for who's gonna win figure skating
1: I don't know enough because like like I was saying to you like I am all in when the Olympics are on but there's something about the qualifying that I just don't I don't I think just because I'm I I watch so much other stuff and I'm like okay these two weeks of my life I know that I'm setting aside for the Olympics (laughs) but like the months and years leading up to it like I can't to vote three hours a night for a week or two for, to watch the qualifying to watch the the nationals or whatever so uh, right. i don't know i am rooting for usa get super patriotic during but i just hope i mean i don't i don't hope that any of you know our skaters get hurt but i would like to see Ashley Wagner out there in some form somehow yeah because i love her
0: well we got uh the women's field isn't as strong so Gracie Gold's not there, right? You said
1: she's she's, she's hurt? There.
0: Well, Gracie Gold uh, decided to take some time off earlier oh, right. this yes. year. She also is dealing with an eating disorder and, and depression and anxiety. And we wish you the best, Gracie. Um and she was out Who are the
1: three women skaters? You mentioned one name before.
0: Mariah Nagasu. She got left off the team or she got on the team as an alternate last mm-hmm. time. Um, Karen Chen, who is a really interesting and creative skater. She, I think like composed her own music and like embellished her own gloves with embroidery and stuff like that. And maybe even choreographed her own thing. I don't know. She, I think, but she's still very young. So I think this may or may not be her time to shine. Uh, and then the third one is Brady Tennell, who kind of came out of left field, um, Although Tara Lipinski claims that she's been saying all season that Brady Tanell is gonna kill it, and then she came out of nowhere and like won nationals, so yeah, I and mean, we'll see. I think they're they're all three of them are still very young. Um,
1: just further proof that Tara just, Lipinski knows what she's talking about.
0: Yeah. But I, I mean that's the the great tragedy of the Olympics is like this super high stakes thing and because it only happens every 4 years like sometimes you're just the wrong age and like your peak doesn't quite line up with when the Olympics are and that's so sad yeah. to me.
1: And that's what was so cool about Itonia where it's like, you know, she thought her she thought she had basically aged out of it and they're like no we're not doing four years we're gonna do two years and so she was able to get back into it so yeah i mean not that I that's remember. gonna happen I again the Winter
0: olympics was every two years oh
1: man me too
0: i think the men's field will be interesting to watch um at least the u.s men we have nathan chen who is really fantastic uh adam ripon who i mentioned before and vincent chu who is uh on the young side, but also somebody to keep an eye out for. Um, We only sent one pairs, pair skaters to the Olympics, which is, I think, a married couple. And then we sent three ice dancing couples, Madison Chalk and Evan Bates, Madison Hubel and Zachary Donahue. I know. (laughs) Well, it's the generation of like, every little girl named Madison yeah. is finally. That's the weird thing about the last couple of Olympics is that I've realized that, like, now I'm older than a lot of the athletes. Oh, yeah. And not that I, like, ever have been athletic in any stretch of the imagination or whatever even come close to being in the Olympics. But, like, it's kind of one of those things, like, oh, I guess I'm never going to be in the Olympics now.
1: Well, like, it was weird when I started becoming older than, like, you know, professional athletes. But then, like, you watch, like college football and you're like oh these kids are like 1920 like they're not even that yeah. like, they're babies yeah and then the olympics are even younger it's just like wow yeah but yeah
0: uh the th- uh, the third ace dancing couple Madison? is uh <laughs> no <laughs> only only the first two have Madison. third is the shib sibs the shibutanis they're a uh, uh brother sister do,
1: uh, is that weird and feels weird
0: um sometimes it's weird they are not that weird thankfully they don't get too sexy like some of the other ice dancing and pairs skater couples get like too sexy for my <laughs> for my comfort <laughs> i don't i'm not here to get sexy like we're here to we're here to skate like relax i'm here to get
1: sexy i'm um, not here to hear lyrics in your songs
0: yeah, that, ugh, that's another thing. I don't know if the Olympics are going to allow lyrics, though. Because U.S. figure skating recently allowed it within the last season or two. I don't know about the Olympics. But, um, yeah, some of those pairs are just like, woof, whack. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. it." People are watching. But uh, I guess some people are into that sort of thing. But the shib-sibs generally keep it pretty... Uh,
1: Pretty PG. Pretty above the belt. Which is good. Yeah. Pretty uh, cutting edge PG. Yeah. Well, that's good. Otherwise, but it'd I think be real they weird. kind
0: of... Yeah, they ate some shit at the uh, Nationals, though. And they've been kind of like the top of the field for a while. So it was a bit of a fall from grace for them.
1: A bit of a fall from Gracie Gold.
0: Also that.
1: Also that. Do we have anything else to say about the cutting edge? Because I don't.
0: I don't think so. Uh, Just this quote from an essay by Amanda Dobbins. Who's that? Who wrote, I don't know, some lady who wrote something on Vulture in 2012. Uh, Topic is an important sociological artifact. Topic is late 90s girl code, a way of letting others know that you share the same values and taste in scrunchies. You believe in figure skating. You believe that true love can triumph. And you have watched The Cutting Edge on cable four (laughs) million times like the rest of us. End quote. Although, oh God, she used both a semicolon and a dash in that last sentence, wow. which is a lot.
1: But have you ever used toe in conversation?
0: Oh, I'm sure I have.
1: And like, how, Like, what's the context? Like, just like, <laughs> or is it like, is it like any part of speech you want it to be?
0: Um, I think it could be any part of speech that you want it to be, but it's also like a life comes at you fast kind of thing. Okay. I think that's, for like, a, oh, you thought you knew what you were doing, and you definitely don't. Fair. Or just any time you hum- physically humiliate a man. Topic. Also great. Uh, I guess that does it for the cutting edge. Uh, just part part one of our Olympic themed. Our
1: Olympic coverage
0: series. Our, our twenty eighteen Winter Olympic coverage. Oh, Jordan uh, says hi. On... Jordan
1: says hi to the podcast.
0: Jordan says hi. She may or may not be back for the next episode. We hope that she is.
1: Thoughts and prayers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Hashtag prayers for Jordan. Uh, donate to the Jordan Needs New Computer Community Fund.
1: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get a Kickstarter going.
0: Yeah. Um. So anyway... uh what do i say next i don't even know how do i end a podcast you think i would have figured this out by now i don't know uh joey what do you what do you want to promote or plug or talk about
1: um what do i want to talk about um i mean go to cageclub.me you can find all the episodes of this very podcast you can also find all the episodes of all of our podcasts Um, Next month, not only will the Olympics start, but we also have at least one new show, if not two new shows. Um, I think that you might have... I don't know if you've mentioned on the show before, but I know it's it's definitely a show that's going to be of interest to you, is that Tobin Addington and his sister, the ad-sibs, not the shib-sibs, but the (laughs) ad-sibs, are starting uh, The Contenders, which is Shining a Light on the Unruly Women of Cinema. So they're talking about movies that... um, are either directed by women or starring women or, you know, focus on strong women themes and stuff like that. So their first episode, I believe, is February 6th with the movie The Contender. And then I will be on the second episode, February 20th, Wonder Woman. So pretty Mm -hmm. exciting. So we've got one new show next month, if not a second one. And then Mike Manzi, who has been on, he was on the uh, Sandra Bullock. Did the Sandra Bullock podcast that didn't happen... Did that have a name? Because I know it was one for her and one for her, but did that ever standalone have a name or no?
0: Oh, I don't think so. No.
1: Well, he was back on, what was that, episode two, I guess, and so...
0: Yeah, the net.
1: He will have a podcast coming out that I'm on, that you are on, that Tobin is on. Yeah, we
0: talk about uh, John's three.
1: And also, did you do Jurassic Park three, too? I
0: did. So yeah, we just recorded that. The Man, other day.
1: you are on the first season more than I am, so good for you.
0: So I think we're going to both be on the Resident Evil 3 episode together. I don't even
1: remember what I signed up for, but that sounds about right. <laughs> um, but yeah, kids loved on me for all those things. You know, we have more than a dozen podcasts right now, so there's a lot of things Which always going wild. on. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. I like this one. As, as I've said before, I don't know if I've said on air here or elsewhere, but this one's the most grab bag. I guess the contenders will also be sort of a bit of a, a grab bag too, but like I never know what's coming next until you send the episode to me. So everything else sort of yeah. follows this pattern where you can see what's coming next, but this is just like, Hey, what do we want to talk about? And it's exciting. So I like that. So keep up. We the like to keep
0: work. it open concept. And also we have people cancel on us a lot at the last minute. So trying to
1: keep people on their toe picks.
0: Toe pick. Uh, that would have been a perfect place to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I recently fired up the old podcast machine on my other podcast, In Sickness and in Health, uh, where you can find any where you get your podcasts, or at insicknesspod.com. Um, our first episode back is with. Uh, my friend Christopher Snyder, who uh, has been on the show several times before, we like to check in with each other every couple months and uh, talk about the state of the world and the state of whatever is going on in healthcare and stuff. We talked about the diabetes episode of Blackish and some documentaries that I watched. And uh, we'll be back again in February another episode how many episodes that so have you done numbered episodes i think the last one was 49 all right um but i did some other special episodes and bonus episodes and stuff like that that don't have numbers cool. so more than 50 episodes um so if you look up in sickness and in health on whatever podcast machine you use uh there's actually now two podcasts called in sickness and in health Mine is the one with all the episodes (laughs) and all of the positive reviews. (laughs) The other one started like back in May and only has five episodes. That's not me. So that's what happened.
1: Like when we started Cage Club, like we're like, we know that other people have Nicolas Cage podcasts, but within three weeks when we were doing three, I don't know why we did three a week, but we did three a week. But like within three or four weeks, we had already put out more episodes than these other shows had done (laughs) ever. And we're like, oh yeah, like we're just gonna, not necessarily the best Nicolas Cage podcast, but in terms of completeness, the most prolific. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're in six months. We put out seventy-eight episodes, which is.
0: I'm happy to have more people doing podcasts on the topic that or that related to the topics that I podcast about. I think that you know the more the merrier when i i started in sickness and in health because it was a thing that didn't exist and it was a thing that i wanted to hear so i had to make it um since then there has been a ton of chronic illness and disability podcasts that have popped up and i am thrilled about that i just don't want them to have the same name as me because it's bad for both of our seo
1: i mean it's especially bad for her seo yeah like, you already have, an, you, I mean, you have an established brand, and she's like, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name my company Google. I'm sure that's going to, you know, work out pretty well.
0: I'm just going to spell it, the original spelling of Google, Who, i I'm, I'm sure Which that means... that is some
1: company that, like, somebody thought was a brilliant idea to do, and then, nope. You, <laughs> di- like, their, their life is basically, did you mean Google, but spelled the, yeah. the actual way, and just like, or not the actual way, I guess, the, you know the incorrect you know. way but
0: uh, hers though does get to a fundamental insecurity that i have which is that i am not a doctor and she is but i've done more podcasts than but her, she's
1: not so a doctor so of I copyright
0: <laughs> she's not a doctor of copyright sadly neither am i oh well but oh well anyway toe pick <laughs>
2: That was all I had to see Why don't you Had to have you next to me From that moment I knew that you'd be all I'd ever need And there's a place inside my heart Nobody's just touched before And when I found you I found all that I've been searching for You turn around